You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Happy holidays to our served up community. Julie here, who I have a special treat for you today. We are bringing you Professor Jacqueline Strayer. As Brené Brown likes to say, you're welcome. Professor Strayer is not only an accomplished executive marketer, she is an educator and a personal brand builder. She teaches us how to strategize our brand as a value-driven product with truth through proof points. She has lectured at many of the top universities in the country and is a proud graduate faculty member at NYU and Columbia University. As we close out 2021 and reevaluate how to maximize our unique talents through our personal brand, Professor Jacqueline Strayer will give you actionable suggestions to make the most of 2022 and beyond. Now sit back, grab your favorite holiday cocktail, and get inspired. Jacqueline, welcome to Served Up. Julie and I are truly honored to have you on our show. Well, it's a pleasure for me to be with both of you and to be in front of your audience. So it's a real honor for me. Thank you, Jacqueline. You know, I have been talking about you to Bridget since we started working together over a year ago. And, you know, I had the pleasure of meeting you when you taught one of the seminars on personal brand at Columbia University for the Women Leadership Program. And we are just so thrilled to have you today. So thank you for taking the time to join us. Well, I'm delighted to be with you again, Julie. Love being in the classroom with you. And now I'm on a podcast with you, your podcast with Bridget. Can you imagine it? When we were in the class together, the last thing I was thinking about was we'd be together on a podcast that Bridget and I created. So how amazing the world turns. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jacqueline, could you maybe define what personal brand is for our listeners? Maybe it's something that they haven't thought about or put a lot of importance behind. And it is truly um, a fairly new concept that's been brought to light over the past, you know, maybe five, five to 10 years. So could you maybe shed some light on what that is? Well, you know, I think I'd like to start by explaining how I actually got into it and how I came to create a definition that I like to use. So I started teaching um, six years ago after a, after a corporate career, and I found myself in the classroom teaching a class called Critical Business Skills for Public Relations, which were all the skills you needed to have to be successful, but were not about public relations. So building relationships and networks creating strategy, all of that. And one of the lectures was on personal brand. And it was not a subject that I really knew a lot about. In fact, I used to think of it in sort of a way of, oh, it's social media, pop culture, yuck. Like, this is really not something that I'm really connected to. And I had somebody coming into my class who's 
who taught this. And he was going to come in and, you know, share his experience and knowledge. And close to the last minute, he canceled. And I was stuck with having to do this lecture myself. So I kind of staggered through it, doing it, got through the lecture itself, and then, you know, decided I'm going to get closer to this topic. And so I started doing research. And as a result of my research, I actually thought about it differently. The way I like to think about personal brand, I use, I use a marketing construct. And in that, how we market brands, we, we can market ourselves. And so I like to think about your personal brand is two intersecting circles. One circle is how you see yourself and also your aspirational kind of self of what you like for yourself. And the other circle is how other people see you. And the intersection is where your personal brand sits. And the more those two circles overlap, in other words, your perception of yourself and the perception that others have, the more those are kind of converging, the better it is, because then you have a similar kind of concept of who you are. So that's really what we're trying to influence is that space that sits in the middle so that how you're actually being perceived is how you want to be perceived. I love that. I mean, that's just a clear visual of where you need to be. And so how does one go about doing that? Well, it's complicated. I mean, you know, it, and it's lifelong. I've learned in this process um, that I'm actually continuing to evolve my concept of how to actually think about an individual's personal and leadership brand, depending upon kind of what they're trying to influence. But ultimately, a person has to start out with what is your vision for yourself? Where do you want to go? And I'm not thinking like 20 years from now, because, you know, that's really hard to kind of conceptualize. But in the next three to five years, like, where do you see yourself? And it's not a job necessarily. It's more of an environment, the kind of work that you want to be doing, the kind of people that you want to be doing with and create a mental picture of that vision. Most people really don't have one. I mean, and it's a really hard. And so we go through a series of questions where, you know, we ask ourselves in terms of how we think about our future. That's the first part. The next part are two different aspects of yourself. The first is, what are your qualities or competencies that you feel set you apart from other people? So in terms of, you know, are you highly organized? Are you an ideator? Are you incredibly um, meticulous in your writing? I mean, what are the things that you think define your abilities as a professional? The second thing is you have to define what are your values? What do you stand for? So, um, you know, that could be, you know, you could really care about the, the environment, you could be involved with racial justice, there could be certain things that are really important to you, then gets the hard part, then you have to identify what's your proof points, which are irrefutable evidence that those things are so. So, for example, if you said to me, Jacqueline, I really care about the environment. I say to you, what's the evidence that other people can actually see that? Now, you know, maybe all it consists of is you're putting your recycling at the end of the driveway every week. Okay, that says something, but not enough to actually be, have it be a defining value. On the, on the same hand, you look at your competencies, your qualities, the things that differentiate you as a professional. And if you say, you know, I'm extremely organized, I say to you, what's the evidence to other people that you are? That gets, these are things that really get harder because if they're not seeing these things, they're not, they're not part of your brand that they're actually kind of putting into your category. 
So it becomes really important for people to think through, okay, what's the evidence of my values and the evidence of my competencies? So you put all that together and then, okay, you have kind of what's my vision for myself? What are the competencies, qualities for myself and my values? And what are the proof points that support those things? Then in that process, I ask people to do research. In other words, to ask a defined set of people that are your stakeholders in different places to actually you do a survey. It's not a 360 degree feedback survey, which some organizations do. It's really more to gauge their um, understanding of you and to actually have them identify what are the competencies that they see in you and what are the values that they see in you. And then more importantly and harder, what are the proof points that they see for those things? In other words, if they put down that they think you're organized, then we ask them, what are, their, what are the accomplishments that you see for this person? That gets harder because if people can't really name things that you've accomplished, then they're just saying things, but they're not really clear what the things are that you're doing. And then in that process, you look at your list in terms of what I see for myself in terms of my values and my, my qualities and what are other people saying about me and how similar or different are these lists? They're almost always never the same list. And so what you know, the process is you have to kind of rethink, okay, do I need to rethink what are my competencies as a result of this? In other words, oftentimes when people do this research, they actually find out that they had qualities that they never thought of themselves that were ascribed to them by others. It was very, it's very positive. It's really self-affirming. It's wonderful. And, the, and, and similarly, their values, people can see things in you that you're not seeing for yourself. On the other hand, you could also see there's an opportunity here for me to improve. And so how do I actually want to make some of these things about myself more visible? And that becomes part of that process. Then we go to social media, which is a lot of what people think about personal brand as being kind of social media and kind of what you say about yourself out there. It's, a, it's one part of it. It's an important part, but it's one part of it. And what we look at is actually what I call your controllable content. The stuff you put out there yourself that you say about yourself, whether you're putting it on your LinkedIn, your Twitter, your Instagram, and you take you do an audit of your content and you look at it. Sometimes we take the content, and we put it in a word cloud, and but we take a look at the content depending upon how much content, anywhere from like three months to a year in terms of how much you're actually putting out there. And we look at the content that you're putting out there about yourself versus how you want to be seen. Are you supporting that? Are you putting down out there content that really support the competencies that you want people to see in you? Are you putting out there content that supports your values? Or do you have an opportunity to rethink actually how you're posting about yourself? This becomes critical because this is controllable content. We can't control what other people are putting out about ourselves, but we can control what we do. And so that's a really critical element as people start reviewing their personal brand. Then we go through a whole process of looking at, okay, you've got your, quali- your vision for yourself, your qualities, your values. You've actually done an audit of your social media. You've kind of looked at where you are. And then we start thinking about, okay, so how do, what do you want to improve on? The other thing I, I like, especially for leaders, but it could be for anybody, are what are your stories? So we know that people remember stories. And I mean a true story, not just an anecdote. And in that process, I like people to construct 
three to five stories that support their brand that they can tell at the ready. So if somebody says to you, you know, what's a moment where you were really inspired, you can pull something out and actually tell that story or tell us about some of the most stressful times you've had in your job and how you triumph. And then you pull out a story and you use that because rather than talking about something, it gives you a story to actually be much more relatable, more personal. And so in that way, you're actually complete, completing your journey and telling your brand story. These are really, really powerful things that people have to work on. In addition to this, I've, I actually created a, uh, something that got trademarked this past summer, which is called the 90-Second You. And in that, it's a digital narrative. And we know as marketers that people pay a lot of attention to video content. People don't read much. They don't, you know, we have short attention spans. I think the average time that somebody spends on a YouTube video before they switch off if they're not interested is like 1.6 seconds. I mean, it's really quick. So one of the ways that we can stand out as brands, as individuals, is we can create a digital narrative about ourselves. And in that process, you actually convey a number of important elements that actually describe who you are, tell your story, and make you more memorable. And, you know, create almost an emotive experience about ourselves, And in that, you're actually completing a, a brand journey from a digital standpoint. Really, really useful. So that's another element that people can use to actually support their personal brands. I love all this. I'm over here making notes. I know our listeners can't see, but I'm making so many notes. I'm learning a lot today from you, Jacqueline. So thank you very much. I know one of the challenges, at least, you know, working in corporate America, um, especially in the beverage industry is showing up authentically yourself. So all of the, the things that you're saying all sound great. And, and like you said, like so much work that you have to do, I guess, to come in comfortably your authentic self. Do you have any thoughts around that? Because I know for so many years and, and I've told this story a bazillion times, but, you know, like my mother worked for Argonne National Laboratory in the late 60s, early 70s, and she was fired because she was pregnant with me. Many of the women in her office, they absolutely had to suppress who they were to fit a certain a, a certain ideal, I suppose. And I know in today, corporate America, especially being a woman. Uh, a lot of times we try to be one of the boys, maybe, you know, we'll try to be somebody that we're absolutely not. But for those of us that feel comfortable in our own skin and can show up as themselves, I, I do feel that um, it's a totally different journey, perhaps. And so my question to you is, do you have any tips on really reaching in and, um, the, and discovering your authentic self and being comfortable with that um, within your story? Well, it's, it's a complicated question. I mean, I think what you're talking about essentially is confidence. I mean, ha when you have confidence, you have an ability to kind of put yourself out there because of that. And I think that is something that some people just have, some people generate over time. And I think the more that people can be, feel comfortable about, first of all, it's really important to understand what do I kind of, what, where am I trying to go? And it's a really hard question to ask. I mean, you know, it's not like simple, like, you know, it's not, and I said, it's not a job. I want to be vice president of X or I want to be director of Y. It's really more kind of what do I see for myself in my life? Once you start to get to know yourself better in asking yourselves these questions and becoming much more kind of emboldened about who you are, the confidence actually starts to come because you're then you're much more clear on where you're going. 
And, you know, somebody asked me recently, you know, how did I become a C-suite? I was an officer of three companies, three public companies. And I said, by accident. (laughs) And I said, you know, if I had to rethink my own career and some of the moves that I made, I might have been much more um, intentional and thought about it a lot more strategically. Through this brand process, you're actually thinking of yourself much more strategically. And I think in that, you become more in control of that and what you are getting and where you are going. Yes. And the thing is, you can't plan your life. Stuff happens. We all know, look, we've been living in this pandemic for two years. Who would ever predicted this? But in the process, you actually become much more aware of who you are. And in that self-awareness, you actually grow and become confident. That will help you. The other thing that's really, really important is to be real. People connect with people. They feel comfortable with people who share of themselves, people who say something that makes them feel less alone in an emotion or an experience or just in who they are. And, you know, I, I am, I'm, I'm one of these people that really abhors pretentiousness. I think the, the last thing we need to do is be separating ourselves from everybody else. We need, and by being real, you're connecting more. So if you do that with your own brand in whatever way feels comfortable with you, then you're for you rather, then you're going to feel a lot more confident and people are going to be affiliated. They're going to naturally want to associate with you which will be a very, very powerful thing. Nothing succeeds like success. When you start feeling people connecting with you and liking you and seeking you out, you know, it's just like each experience builds on the next and actually creates a level of confidence that just starts to grow. Yeah, that is so great. I just, I've always... I think what's attracted to me or me to you so much when you did your seminar is that your approach is so practical, right? Like the way you describe what you need to do, you can just follow a quick guideline and really do it. It's not that the work is easy, but the guideline is there and you know what you need to work towards. As we talk about personal brand, I feel so much of that can actually be applied to your interview. Right. And being able to really speak on behalf of what your vision is, what your competencies are, and what your value is. So, could you talk a little bit more about how your personal brand shows up when you're interviewing for a new role? And with that, you know, I don't want to double up on the questions, but, you know, to Bridget's point and what you clarified is really be honest with yourself on what you want to see, where you want to see yourself. Right. And I think we always typically look for that next job or look for a bigger, more important job within an organization, but maybe that's not really true to who we are as an individual. Um, But yet we forced ourselves to go in that direction. And I think what's happened over the last two years with the pandemic is that people have really had a chance to reflect and say, okay, now that the world is shut down, I have to live with myself and look in the mirror And I I truly believe that that's led to this great resignation. So I'd love your thoughts on personal branding, how that shows up when you're going for that next role and putting yourself out there. And then what your thoughts are around COVID and the great resignation and discovering your personal brand. Okay. Well, two different questions. So let me see if I can keep them straight and answer in a way that's uh, helpful. One of the things that I, and I, and I teach between the classes that I teach in two different schools, NYU and Columbia, I teach nine different classes and they span everything from marketing to public relations to leadership. And in these classes, there is one lecture I give in all of my classes. 
and that's stakeholder understanding. So if you don't understand your stakeholders and what they're looking for, that could be kind of a career, that could be career suicide. So when somebody goes into an interview, what do we usually want to do? We usually want to sell ourselves. We want to convey how great we are and how perfect we are for this role. I would tell people to turn it around and look upon it. You're the interviewer. What are you expecting to hear? Kind of see you as the candidate through their eyes, because oftentimes we don't do that. And I always like to use the the adage, you know, um, from the outside in. So look at yourself from the outside in. So you go into the interview and you think of you have to think of yourself as an experience. I like to kind of convey that. So what is the experience of you? Right. So you go into this interview and sometimes we feel really compelled to say as much about ourselves and kind of put it off there with all the the little details and elements and things that we've accomplished and all of that. But in fact, some of the better interviewers is when the interviewer actually spends more time talking. So they're actually conveying and sharing and you're actually contributing. You're having more of a conversation rather than more than than a monologue of who you are. So I think that in terms of your personal brand, you have to kind of consider who you're talking to, what they're looking to get from the conversation and how you can be relevant to them rather than kind of pontificating about yourself. I think that's a really critical element that often gets lost. I will tell you that though, before you even get into the interview, that's a hard place. So if you're putting your resumes out there on some, you know, website, you know, Indeed or whatever, and how do you stand out? One of the things that we've actually found in this digital narrative, by having a digital narrative that you supply, that people can actually see a video element of yourself and kind of get a sense of who you are rather than just another resume and and kind of a letter of recommendation, it actually has helped a number of my students get jobs. And that's actually the reason I created this digital narrative, because I saw so many of my students suffering, not being able to get jobs during the pandemic. And I was thinking, what could I do to help them? And that was really an outgrowth of that. So I would say that as you approach the interview, think about it in terms of, you know, how do you get in? And I think a digital narrative is a really helpful thing in terms of giving kind of a summation of who you are in a short period of time. The other thing is approaching it from the stakeholder perspective. Um, So I, you know, I think that's, you know, and the questions and the content and what they're looking to hear from you. The other part about it is this. That when people go into an interview, there's two people being interviewed. You're being interviewed, but you're also interviewing them. And the other thing is, is that you need to get a sense of, do I belong here? Do I feel that this is a place that I want to work? Can I see myself working with these people? And oftentimes people don't realize that. They don't think about that because they're so interested. This is a great job or situation. They don't actually think about kind of what it's actually going to be like, particularly if they're not inside the organization, what it's like to work there. And, you know, I always tell my students and and colleagues, it takes like six months at least to figure out what it's really like to work in a place after you've been there and you're doing the job and in the place. And so I think that's really important. So when you're going to an organization and you're having a meeting with them, ask them what their values are. Ask them what they stand for. Ask them not only what their values are, but what they're doing about their values. And see what kind of answer you get. I mean, oftentimes they'll be able to articulate it, but sometimes they won't. And that's a telling point for you to understand in terms of, is this place that I feel like I'm going to be able to fit in? 
can I be my real authentic self in this environment? Or is this someplace that I don't really know if I'm going to be feeling comfortable? And if you're feeling that way in the interview, then you're, you know, that's a telling point in terms of whether you're going to feel comfortable there. So hopefully that kind of gives you some understanding of how somebody might want to think about the interview process. I mean, you know, it's, it's interviewing is, I mean, I will tell you, most people don't say, oh boy, I'm going for an interview. It's really exciting. I mean, you can be excited about the opportunity, but like, it's stressful. It's stressful. And so I think to acknowledge that about yourself and to kind of help yourself be prepared and uh, be able to pull out these stories about yourself and organize that content, I think that will be, really be able to convey your brand. On the other hand, when you're talking about why are people leaving jobs and rethinking their lives and in the pandemic, I actually leave that for social scientists who are much smarter on the subject than I am. But I do think that when, when something happens in someone's life, and I would liken this to a crisis, there's a lot of kind of soul searching that goes on, right? And like, what do I really want out of life? Is this really, am I really happy? And how many times do we actually have a chance to really think about that? Because most of us are just going through the day-to-dayness of our job and getting it done without reflecting on, you know, some kind of self-actualization about who I am and what do I want. But I think in the pandemic, we've had more time to do that because we've been remote and we've been alone. And so we've been able to kind of think of ourselves much more specifically and intentionally. And I think that's what we're seeing. I think people are just saying, does this really have any meaning for me? Am I happy doing this? Do I like this work? Do I like my life? Is this what I want? And I think that's where you're seeing a lot of people kind of rethink their reality and change it and maybe even take a break from it. That's where I think we're seeing a lot of that. Not everybody has that luxury to do that. Some people are fortunate to be able to walk away from a job and kind of think about themselves. But, you know, there's a whole lot of people that also are not in that position. And I think it's also important to think about that as well. That's really good advice because I do believe that um, during COVID and we we are still in COVID, you know, um, we're coming out of it and still in it, experiencing a lot of trauma, you know, because it is a crisis. You know, you mentioned something about when you are interviewing, which I I took some notes on, of course, (laughs) about, um, you know, to really make sure that your values line up with the company's values. Do you have any insights if you're interviewing within your own company to to level up? You know, obviously, if you're in the company, you know what their values are. And so that conversation has been had. I think it's I think when you're going for some kind of whether it's a lateral move or promotion or even a relocation, depending upon what the job is and whatever. I think, you know, it's it's really important to be really clear that you have an understanding about what the role really is. Has there been somebody in the role? You know, what have they accomplished? Kind of how you see yourself doing that job? You know, how your skill sets, is this a growth experience? Are you looking for growth? Is this the environment? I mean, even in the same company, I mean, I worked in really big companies all over the global companies. And so just because you were in the company doesn't mean it was always the same experience or different places that have different cultures and, and different constructs in terms of how things work. So I think you have to be really clear in terms of understanding from the hiring manager and the organization there, what it is the expectations are and whether you feel comfortable doing that. So I think those are, those are important considerations. I mean, you know, career, careers are interesting because you can't really plan it. <laughs> and people like to think they can, but they can't plan it. And the other thing is to be flexible. 
I mean, one of the things that I think is really important and one of the things that I'm seeing much more now is people's willingness to take risks. And I think that at some point, you might not think you're up to it. Sometimes it's good to take a risk on yourself and give yourself the room to to potentially even not succeed, that you know, failure is not, not always a bad thing. And we learn so much more, as we all know, from our failures and from our successes. And so I think that give yourself the room to be in a situation that's a, that's a stretch assignment, as they say, that's a growth experience where you can actually learn more and give, give yourself that potential. So I think that's also something that's important to do. I think that's great advice, you know, and I, and I feel like that's a benefit when you are with an organization, the different opportunities to take that risk, um, because you almost, not that anybody has pure safety, but sometimes, you know, you do have a little bit more, um, cushion to recover if you fail at one job. Um, there's many more that are out there. So I think that's really great advice. I just wanted to interject one thing that you said about the people leaving roles and the pandemic. Because there's something that I wrote an article a couple of years ago when the pandemic first started, and um, it was published by several places, including the Arthur Page Society, which I've been a member of, which is kind of a communication leaders organization. And one of the things that I saw was an opportunity that organizations actually during COVID became more important. Because in the book that was written decades ago by Robert Putnam, Bowling Alone, he talks about in like the 1950s, how people belong, belong to bowling leagues and how they ultimately, you know, people would go to work and they'd have this bowling league and they'd, they'd go bowling after work. And it was kind of these leagues and it was a social thing. And they actually started all, a lot of these social groups started to diminish and people became a lot more alienated from each other and they weren't doing these things. And I thought about that book when we went into the pandemic. It's a great book. And how the organization has actually taken on almost a surrogate kind of family role in the pandemic for people. And that it's actually become that much more important because it, it's, it's a place where we belong and we can connect with other people and we're so alienated as it is. And so the organization became so much more important to people, their work and, that, and those work friends and those colleagues because of the fact that we were not, you know, with each other, but we needed to be with each other in any, in, even in a remote way. And I think that's a really important element that the affiliations that people had with work became critical over the last two years. I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, I know I can just tell you that my relationship with Julie is now more like a sisterhood than it was when we first met. And it's just because we've stayed connected um, as colleagues and as friends almost every day. You know, yeah, and it's great that and it's great that you've had that opportunity to create mm-hmm. that kind of a bond. And I think that this has been such an emotional time for us, for all of us. I mean, each of us are suffering some form of PTSD. We are. I mean, it's we see it. I see it all over. I see it with my clients. I see it with my colleagues, and I see it with my students. And you know, I think the the organization has a lot of organizations have tried to find ways to help people feel less alone and more connected with each other. And maybe they didn't always get it right, but they were trying. They were trying to do things to make people feel in a collective whole that gave them you know, purpose and meaning and help them feel good in this time where people were really scared. I mean, they were worried. I mean, in the beginning, you know, people were let, in New York City here, people were afraid to leave their apartments. I mean, it was very, the streets were empty. It was incredible. 
And so the organization became that much more important. And I think it was an unexpected opportunity for organizations to step forward. And many of them did. Absolutely. Many of them stepped in and stepped up, which we, you know, we all need um, friends and we all need that human connection um, for sure. I just want to take it back just a minute um, to the personal branding itself, something that I've seen repeatedly on social media, whether it be like LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, are people coming up with personal taglines, Jacqueline, how do you feel about that kind of putting out their mission um, within their bios on these networks? You know, I don't have a thought one way or the other about that. So that's not, I'm not really comfortable answering that question. I'll be real honest. I'm asking because so many professionals are doing it, you know, on LinkedIn and on Instagram. I personally haven't done it. I'm not saying that I would or would not, but I'm seeing it just pop up with a lot of my connections recently. And um, so I just want to ask. I, I think, I think what, is hard for people is to actually find a succinct way of describing themselves and finding something that encapsulates who they are. Because oftentimes it can be, you know, it could, it could separate you in a way that may be unexpected. So I, I think people, if they want to use a tagline or a motto or a way of characterizing themselves, if it feels comfortable and something that they really want to put out there about themselves, that they want to say, this is me and this is what I represent, then I think that's fine. But the other thing that people have to realize is that we go through changes in our life. The person that you are at 20 is not the person you are at 40. I mean, really, people change a lot. And so you don't want to have something that is so narrow that it doesn't give you room to grow. And I would say that's the important thing that I would say in terms of kind of how you characterize yourself and how you put yourself out there. So people need to consider that. And sometimes we can't see it. I mean, we can't see that when we're 20 years old, putting a tagline about ourselves or some kind of a, a quote that represents who you are. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And you know, on that note of putting yourself out there, I think one of the biggest takeaways, you know, from from your presentation that I took is really leverage the platform like LinkedIn, right? I mean, it's the first time that you can really put yourself out there. You could curate, control your own content and really help build that public awareness on your personal brand. So could you talk to our listeners a little bit about the importance of LinkedIn? what they can do to really use that free platform um, to not only put out your personal brand, but maybe start discovering um, your personal brand. Well, I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn. and It's probably where I'm most active in terms of social media. And I think if someone is not, it's really important that they establish themselves a profile for themselves and get themselves started. I think there's, I think first people have to step back and look at if they've had a LinkedIn profile, look at your connections. This is one of the things that I did when I left my corporate career and started my kind of current life teaching and consulting and writing. You know, I looked at it and what I found was a lot of my connections were with people like me, people who were doing my kind of job, people who were in corporate America or global companies. And I decided I needed to do something about that. And so one of the first things people should take a look at is look at how diverse your network is. And I don't mean from a gender or race standpoint. I mean, in every standpoint, from a geography standpoint, from a professional standpoint, 
Because you know, the thing about it is, is nothing new happens if everybody agrees with each other. The only growth happens is when people are basically in conflict. And so one of those things is your network. And if you want to have a diverse network where you can you know, connect with people and see content and be exposed to different ideas, that's really, really important. So that's critical, is connecting with people from a you know, kind of as wide range as possible, diverse, age, race, all of that profession. So you have that. The second thing in terms of, of LinkedIn is actually looking at, as I mentioned, how you put your content, how you, how you actually characterize yourself on your LinkedIn. Does it line up with those personal brand things that we talked about earlier, your qualities, your values, who you stand, what you stand for? And then you start thinking about how do I construct my content about my profile and, and ongoing content in support of that? Because you don't want to have what I call a schizophrenic brand, which is I think of myself this, this way, but then I'm putting all the stuff that doesn't, it's confusing over here on another way. And you see it a lot. You see it a lot. And people actually look, use, use LinkedIn in some ways like Facebook, which is kind of interesting to me because it's a professional site. And so you have to think about, and while personal information can be shared, you have to think about how am I actually thinking about this professional self that I'm putting out there and advancing with this content? So that's a critical component, and people have to decide that for themselves. In terms of the ongoingness of LinkedIn, the other thing you have to look at is keep on, you know, look in, look in your feed, see what people are actually looking at, and actually look at some of the people that they're connected with that you can actually learn from. The other thing is, you know, I have over 5,000 connections. Do I know all these people personally? Of course I don't. But a lot of these people I've actually reached out to and be, have created friendships long distance that I never expected. They come and guest lecture to my class. They contribute to an article that I'm writing. They, they work on a project that I, I'm in or vice versa. And it becomes a wonderful series of connections that have actually made my life richer as a result of it. And they're not superficial. These are people that I really like. These are people that have really contributed to my growth and my education and my development. And I, I've learned so much from them. And I think that's the, that's the beauty of LinkedIn. And they'll be the person that doesn't want to connect with you or they'll be a person who doesn't respond to you. And, but they're really in the minority. There are so many more people that are really interested in, in kind of connecting and, and sharing and becoming part of your own conscious network. So I think that's a really critical element of what LinkedIn can do for people. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think I'm living proof to that because, you know, I following your course, I really got behind my LinkedIn and, and putting stuff out there. And, you know, I think one of the biggest takeaways, which I do now all the time when I do a presentation is I share my LinkedIn so that people can get on and connect with me. And that was something you did. And I followed up, I connected with you, you accepted my connection. And when the pandemic hit, I reached out and I said, Hey, can you recommend an article on personal brand? Cause we're offering this to, you know, our teams and you so graciously created uh, an article just for us, um, which I did share. And it was very valuable for kind of entry to mid-level employees. So thank you for that. And, you know, I think there are a lot of people on LinkedIn like yourself that are willing to 
reach out or accept connections. And I, and I believe, you know, the first thing you do is kind of look at their profile and see what they're putting out there. And is this worth your time to invest in this person based on what that personal brand is? I mean, is that, is that what you think when you do reach out to somebody to want to connect them? You know, I think it's also important to make sure that your profile is updated and reflects your personal brand because somebody like you would probably go through and click that other profile before you respond. Yeah, I mean, having having a well-conceived profile that really represents who you are and what you want people to think of you is really important. I mean, that's that controllable content. And one of those pieces is your LinkedIn profile. And so, you know, and make sure that it's, you know, up to date, that it really conveys, you know, what you've accomplished, things that are important to you. And, you know, one of the ways that, you know, find, find some profiles that you think that you like. And, you know, if, you, if you're not really capable of doing it yourself, I'm, not, I'm saying cutting and pasting from somebody else's site. What I'm saying is, what do you like about that site you think actually you could incorporate on your site? And I think those are good things to actually in- include in terms of what you do. I think as you, as you create your site and you have your profile, say there are people in your network that you really don't know, but you want to know better. And you've noticed that they content out there and they've got accomplishments. Start liking their content. Start commenting on their content. People love that. People love when other people notice their content and have nice things to say about it and gets involved in the conversation. I can't tell you how many times people have done that for me that I've appreciated and reached out to and sent notes to. People do. And it sometimes comes from unexpected and sometimes very kind of powerful people. And you're like, wow, this person noticed me. This person's interested in me. And so I think that um, by doing that, by showing, by following somebody's content, by showing up there, by contributing to their content, now you've kind of put them in their consciousness. I mean, there are people that I know that are in my network that always are involved with my content and like it or share it or say, and that is so appreciated by me, so appreciated by me that I'm more likely to do the same for them just because I appreciate their appreciation, right? So I think it's a really powerful thing. I mean, and these are not paid followers. These are not, because there are people that do that and get paid for it. These are just people that pay attention to your content and that you, and, and now you pay more attention to their content because of the fact that they are. So those are also really important things to do. Um, you know, I get, I get a lot of notes from people from all over the world that are often are unexpected and so welcome. And so I think that's really a wonderful thing that each of us can do in expanding our network and creating relationships as we kind of move forward in this kind of social media situation in terms of advancing our brands and our careers and our professional lives. Yeah, that's extremely valuable advice that you put out there. So Jacqueline, Professor Strayer, how can our listeners get to hear more from you besides, you know, taking one of your classes? So maybe let us know all the stuff that you're doing and, and how can one, you know, work with you on setting up their 90 second you digital video? Well, there's a few things. First of all, that listeners are welcome to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, And so you can certainly do that there. I regularly post content and articles that I write on my site so people can read my content there. 
um, as well as I'm published in other places. Um, but usually when I'm published other places, it's connected to my LinkedIn. So there's that. I am, um, in terms of the digital narrative, I frequently give kind of public talks on, you know, and I put them on my LinkedIn in terms of the 90 second you. Um, if people want to craft them, it's not an inconsequential amount of work because they have to be able to edit video and not everybody's good at that and actually create it, create their story. Uh, but if they have questions on that, they could certainly reach out to me on that. In terms of what I've got going on, so I, as mentioned, I teach in three different graduate programs. So my classes are only open to those who are in graduate school. So they have to be a matriculated student. I do do some from time to time work in continuing ed at NYU, but haven't done that for over a year and a half. Um, but I am coming out with a book next year on personal brand and personal power. So it actually connects. I've gotten very interested in how people create power for themselves, personal power, and how you actually influence that. And um, I teach a class at, at Columbia called Human Behavior in the Organization. And that's one of the lectures is, is about creating power. And so I've really connected the two topics, personal brand and personal power. So that is coming out next year. Fingers crossed. Um, I've been working on this for a little, little while. The other thing is that next year, um, on April 21st of next year, I am creating what I call an experience. It's called the Global Brand Convergence. And I've applied for the trademark for this, um, for this experience. And it's actually creating a connected community among students, faculty, and practitioners in marketing, PR, and communications globally. It's first ever of its kind. And we're going to have a three-hour free online event. I'm not looking to make any money from this. I'm funding this myself. It's really something that I really thought was important to do as a result of what I saw in the pandemic. We're going to have a program that's going to include not just speakers and panels and presentations, but we're actually going to include artistic performances of dance, music, and theater in it, as well as video roll-in segments that are going to be uh, included. I'm a former producer, so this kind of is my producing side coming out, and I'm very, very involved in the arts. So um, that is kind of kind of an element that I thought was really important. And for us to feel more connected as a global community, and I think that one of the things that we can feel more, more connected is through the arts, that the arts is a really wonderful way through music and dance and theater and visual art for us to feel just connected and feel happier. And, you know, I just thought that would be a wonderful thing. So I've actually gotten a number of people that are interested in performing for this from all over the world. It's really exciting and different and interspersed. We're going to have some fantastic presenters, people that I've known, people that I haven't known that are actually going to be part of this that I'm really excited to showcase. And the presentations are going to be really interesting and different, not same, but very different. Well, brava. <laughs> That's amazing. I know this is something I'm making so many notes. It's something we're definitely going to look forward oh, absolutely. to. You know? we'll be there at April 20th. We will be there. I am we'll there. That in I've my calendar. Locking that date out. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be exciting. Very exciting. Jacqueline, I just, you know, on behalf of the Served Up family, Julie, myself, I want to thank you so much for spending some time with us. You have been just an extraordinary guest. And we've learned, I know I speak on behalf of Julie as well, but we've learned so much from you in just a short period of time. 
So we can't wait to see what you do next. And we will be keeping an eye on you (laughs) for sure and hope to have you back. Thank you so much. I will leave your listeners and and thank you both, Bridget and, and Julie, for inviting me to this. I will leave you with what I left with Julie's class um, when she was at Columbia and we were talking about personal brand is every interaction is an opportunity. We decide. And so, you know, each person that you meet, you don't know where they've been, you don't know where they're going to go. And so you really have to look upon each of them as a wonderful opportunity. And I think that if we approach relationships with other people in that way, um, certainly, you know, that's true with me. Now you, Bridget, and of course, with Julie, who I've known, that's, that's the beautiful thing in terms of how we connect with other people and kind of build our own kind of presence in terms of our brands. A hundred percent. And I am just so thankful that Bridget got to meet you today and, um, you know, to hear your words of wisdom. I always learn so much after talking to you and I'm so excited to share it with all of our listeners and Listen here, listeners, you're welcome. You're very welcome, right? You got graduate program material from two of the, you know, most prestigious schools in the world. Um, So we are so grateful for you, Professor Strayer, and we look forward to supporting you for your global brand convergence. I mean, how incredible is that? And whatever we can do to to help get that out, um, we really uh, appreciate you. And I cannot Wait, I will be one of the first people to sign up for your personal brand, personal power book. I've been seeing so many cool, innovative things with book launches and campaigns. So I can't wait to see what you do there. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We want to wish you just a lot of great health during this time and a whole lot of peace. So cheers. And thank you for being on the show. You too. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!